Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. We interview world-class influencers, celebrities, and elite entrepreneurs. And I thank you for joining us. We broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America's Influencers Channel. And you can listen to all of our shows on your Android or Apple device. Go to TonyDurso.com slash mobile and get the app. TonyDurso.com slash mobile. Before we get going, here's a big thank you to some amazing sponsors of our show. Please stay tuned for an important message from FreshBooks about great invoice and accounting software for your small business. And look for some information on Care of to help you build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. More on them just ahead, so please stay tuned. Today's show is with Diana Wentward, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. All right, here's some info on Diana. Diane is the New York Times bestselling author of 10 award-winning books and the co-author of two Chicken Soup for the Soul titles. She hosted a long-running television series and founded The Inside Edge, a weekly breakfast forum in Southern California that helped launch the careers of many of the most celebrated authors and speakers of our day. Welcome to the show, Diana. It's so great to have you. I'm excited. Diana, I am psyched up. There's so much to talk about, and we've got some surprises here for our audience. But first things first, I would love to know, how did it all start for you? What's your backstory? And I know that's a loaded question because you've oh done so much in your life. <laughs> I probably confused you like, where do you start? But kind of give us just a little bit of story, but I'm going to ask you some questions along the way. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in years, so this could be a very long talk here. I was uh, I was born in Beverly Hills and grew up in Beverly Hills in a really interesting family. My father was an entrepreneur and he founded Beverly Hills Federal Savings and Loan and he had come from a background of absolutely only eighth grade education and he was just very clever and um, was able to really make a fine living and I think, but I picked up that entrepreneur thing, and I also picked up his interest in the interest in the metaphysical. I had a brother who, unlike most people's brothers who played football and baseball and things like that, my brother wanted to take four years of Latin in high school so he could translate St. Thomas Aquinas and see if Catholicism was the true religion. You know, <laughs> so this is a really different kind of family. But it was great because my brother's interest in all the different religions had him drive me when he got his driver's license to all these different traditions. You know, we went to Hindu temples and Christian science churches and Catholic churches and Greek church. I mean, it was just really fascinating to get this kind of huge overview of spirituality and religion. So um, I would say I grew up as a girl, young woman who was very interested in the metaphysical and in, I was always fascinated with energy and how contagious it was. And I wanted to learn more about that. But in those days, there really wasn't very much information. There were the theosophists and 
you know, a few groups, but, you know, I just started reading on my own and, and growing on my own. And the most important thing to me always, I was quite boy crazy, um, was to find just the right partner in life and to live a life of partnership. Um, I didn't really have any models for that. My parents didn't get along, but it was something that just was my number one priority. And a whole lot of very magical things started happening because I, I went on a trip. I broke an engagement to a very, very, very wealthy man. Suddenly, just knowing that he wasn't, it wasn't going to be the right situation for either of us, and um, went on a trip to what they called the Orient in those days, to Asia. And my first morning in Hong Kong, I woke up very early in the morning. And for some reason, I knew it was weird at the time. I got dressed. It was about 6.30 in the morning, and I went down, and I stood in the lobby and um, was asking myself what I was doing there. The restaurant wasn't even open. There was nothing going on. And the elevator door opened, and out walked a man, and it was like I recognized him immediately, and we were engaged three days later, and that was Paul von Wallenetz. And um, we were married for 25 years, and we had an amazing creative career together. He passed away at 25 years, or, you know, I would still be married to him. But we had a, a long career in cooking and entertaining. My passion was gathering people around the table and cooking. And I had gotten to study a little bit in France. And I also studied with a chef who gave classes from the Beverly Hilton Hotel and I, I just knew a lot about cooking. So when Julia Child was on the air doing her French cooking, I was somebody who'd actually studied that and had quite a bit of experience. So I started teaching kitchen um, cooking in my kitchen. And I had no idea that that was going to lead to an amazing career because the interest in food and entertaining was just something that was like a wave that was coming up, um, a wave of the future. And as I look back at my long life, I see that I have ridden several waves when I've had to reinvent myself of things that were just coming into the interests of, of society. And food and entertaining, French cooking was a big deal then. Uh, Paul and I actually ended up uh, writing six cookbooks. The first one, which took five years to write, one cookbook of the year in the category of entertaining and I actually have a picture of Martha Stewart on one page in House and Garden magazine and me on the other one saying, cooking experts east and west. So our careers in food kind of paralleled each other for a while until I went off on a tangent. But um, I had a cooking school on Sunset Boulevard and Wolfgang Puck used to teach there. And, you know, it was the early days of all that excitement about food and it was just an amazing thing. And we were eventually hired by Robinson's department stores and then by national department stores to travel and bring our food. And it was, it was really quite exciting. We had our own television show eventually. And then something happened where the women suddenly decided they didn't want to spend a week cooking a dinner that would be gone in a few minutes. And they wanted to go back in the workplace or to enter the workplace really for the first time. So Paul and I were finding ourselves without a career. And that was the time when we did our first reinvention. We joined a very outrageous 
seminar that was really there to to break your ideas about what you thought you could achieve. And at that seminar, it was called Impact. We met some people who would be eventually become quite famous. And so it was there that I met Jack Canfield and Barbara DeAngelis and um, a man named Tim Peering, who was very influential. Uh, people that would be very important in my future. And in that seminar, we were invited to go on a trip that would be a breakthrough trip into the Soviet Union. It was the height of the Cold War. And I was intrigued by the people who were on that tour. Uh, Rama Vernon, who was really known as the mother of yoga in this country, and uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard. And um, let me see, there was Dennis Weaver and Mike Farrell from MASH, and the real Patch Adams, and the author Alan Cohen. These, I just really wanted to hang out with these people more than I wanted to go into the Soviet Union. But what, And I, I remember being in tears the night before we went, and I was on the phone with a friend. She said, what is the matter with you? And I said, I just know I will be forever changed by this trip. Because Paul and I had been trying to figure out how we were going to make a living. Our whole cooking career was falling apart, and we didn't have a lot of time before we were going to have to sell our house and make some different kind of moves. And, and on this trip, we went to first into Helsinki, and we were there for three days with Swami Satchidananda and all these amazing people in the world. And what I began to notice was that these people began sharing resources. These were activists. These people were loners. And so I noticed that they began sharing resources and then that they were able to move ahead in the things that they wanted to do because they were connecting with like-minded people and it, it just was so intriguing and it would just sparked my imagination so much. So when Ted and Paul and I returned to the United States, we read about something in New York called Power Breakfast. And this was really kind of the beginning of the years of networking. And we were intrigued by that. People met early in the morning. Networking I already knew about because we'd been doing that in this uh, seminar that we'd been taking. And we thought, why not have an early morning meeting? We were used to these 6 to 8 in the morning meetings at Impact. Why didn't we meet from 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning and invite people and create a breakfast that would be more than a seminar. There would be every, every breakfast, there would be a well-known speaker, and we would have table processes that allowed people to really get to know each other. Uh, we would discourage business cards, like most of the networking organizations. Uh, everybody was just trading business cards like crazy. But we had a, a determination that people would connect for who they really were that they would connect authentically. And so we put together a board of advisors that included Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and Dr. Barbara DeAngelis and some people that we knew because those people would attract other people who were interested in that kind of thing. And it was all about possibility and creating world peace and um, lifelong learning and for some reason, it just tapped into something that was ready to be born. It was way ahead of its time. So that was the next wave that we surfed. 
in our career, and it became very popular very quickly. And we met at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which people loved, uh, because they would drive up and have their car taken by a valet. It made them feel successful already. And we met every week from uh, 6 to 8 in the morning, 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning, uh, on Tuesday there. And within three months, we also had one in Orange County. And then about four months after that, we had one in San Diego. So Ted, Paul and I were on the road Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it became our full-time work. And within about six months, we had almost a 1,000 members of people who attended these breakfasts and created what they called sub-edges. We had a business edge that was run by one of our members, and you could, you could go sit before the business edge in the evening and kind of showcase your business and get their feedback on what would be great for you to do, what would be your next step. And we had a film edge that was run by the head of London Films, and we would have very conscious films, and often we'd have the person who was featured in the film present to answer questions. And we had a men's edge called the razor's edge. So there were about 10 different sub-edges that people got along with their membership to the inside edge. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Do you remember when you started your small business? It was no small feat. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, and the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them, without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days, no catch, and no credit card required. Go to FreshBooks.com Tony and enter Tony, D-U-R-S-O, in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. That's freshbooks.com slash Tony and enter Tony, D-U-R-S-O. Hey guys, build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. Care of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your recommendations to promote personal health and wellness. Vegan and vegetarian supplement options are available to match your dietary needs. Care of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. I love the quiz. I answered simple questions about what I was looking to address, improve, or whatever. I was impressed at where the quiz was taking me and the recommendations that I got? Genius! 
Take advantage of this month's special New Year offer for 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of Vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Tony in the checkout process underneath your order summary on the right-hand side. Once again, take advantage of this month's special New Year offer for 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of Vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Tony. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to Tony and his guests. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show. Today's show is with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. You may recognize Diana from her years as host of her own long-running daily television series, The New Way Gourmet, which broadcast internationally on the Lifetime Network to millions of viewers. All right, and now back to the chat with Diana. What a fabulous thing it was, because a lot of those people created their businesses there, right there at the Inside Edge. That's where Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen got together and decided to do the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And that I would give these parties where you had to show up as who you were going to be in five years. And that was really confronting. But you had to show up all dressed to the part and talk about how you got there to this place that you were going to reach in five years. And there was a a woman who had never written a book yet named Dr. Susan Jeffers, and she wanted to write a book. And so she showed up at the party in a limousine uh, with her husband, all just formal wear and everything, and she had three mock books. And she said that she had just returned from her third New York Times bestseller tour. And in five years, she actually did have three New York Times bestsellers. The first one was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And another, another member who was there all the time and who only had a tiny book was Louise Hay. And, you know, when I think back of all the people whose careers were born there at the Inside Edge, it's really the most fulfilling part of my life, I think, because it still continues to this day. It's, been, it's almost 34 years now that we have been meeting and still hearing the greatest speakers here in California. It's just quite magical. My life has been really quite magical. Diana, so fascinating. What a life. We've only touched upon it. And I want to make some comments about some of the points and along the way. By the way, my wife and I, this December, we will be together 26 years and The topic of discussion that has started us off on our journey to this day is religion, spirituality. We've studied the world's greatest religions multiple times. We still continue. It's such a fascinating subject. Just very interesting on the parallels that you have. So I just wanted to comment upon that. Mm -hmm. Diane, I met you earlier this year and you have such a great story and there's so much I want to talk about. But I have to ask you the one thing right now. I've got to talk about Elvis. You met Elvis. You hung out with him. You've got to tell us your Elvis story, please. Okay. Well, how much detail do you want? <laughs> it's an hour show. 
<laughs> well, actually, the strangest thing happened, and the thing that made me believe in magic and believe in something beyond was in about 1959, I was in um, a sorority at UCLA, and I was on the pledge porch, and they were playing the music really loud, and I said, hey, can you turn that music down? And somebody said, oh, Diana doesn't like Elvis Presley. And I had this sudden moment of clarity that was so weird where I said to them, actually, I do like him and I'm going to date him someday. And they all looked at me like did their jaw drop, my jaw drop, because I, didn't, I had no idea where that came from. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And about two months later, my mother um, took me during spring, you know, summer vacation to Europe. I'd never been to Europe before. And our first stop was in Paris. And we were going to be on a cook's tour. So we were staying in a hotel called the Prince de Gaulle Hotel uh, near the Arc de Triomphe. And so I, about the second day there, I was walking to the hotel with my mother. And this young boy, he was about 14, came running up to me. I, I had just turned 18. And he said, Diana, Elvis Presley's in the dining room. And I'm too scared to ask him for his autograph. Would you do it? So I said, sure. So we walked in the dining room, and the dining room was closed. But Elvis was standing there with a couple of his um, entourage, his bodyguards. And uh, I just walked up to him, and I said, hi, I'm Diana Webb from Beverly Hills. And my friend Bobby would really love to have your autograph. And so we chatted for a few minutes. And then that evening... Our tour went to the Moulin Rouge, and it just happened that Elvis and his entourage were at the Moulin Rouge up in the balcony, and everybody was making a very big deal about it. And out in the lobby during the intermission, I saw a couple of the bodyguards. And when we got back to the hotel, our bus drove up, and we went into the hotel, and there was, there's Elvis with his bodyguards, and he asked my mother if he could take me to the Lido that night. Now, I don't really know what was behind that. As I think back on it, um, he was so gorgeous. He was in his army uniform. He had his hair cut really short. And he was such a gentleman. He really was. And I think that he, he just needed a girl to go or somebody on his arm so that he wouldn't be completely mobbed. And as we walked in, I mean, we, we really were mobbed as we began to walk into the Lido, which was a nightclub with topless dancers and things like that. <laughs> I was only 18. I was such a kid. But anyway, it was a great thrill. And they had a table set up for him, which is practically on the stage. There's all these topless women running around. But he was just very attentive to me. He held my hand. He signed autographs. It was really sweet. And then we went back to the hotel. And he invited me up to his room and he had, a, he had a guitar there, and he sang the song from Moulin Rouge to me. And that was, that was it for our first date. I went back to my room, and then the next day, as I was getting on the bus to leave for the next city, I got a, um, a note. One of his bodyguards came running up to me as I was about to board the bus, and uh, I still have that note. It gave me his phone number there in Bad Nauheim. He was living in, off the... Um, army base. This was just about the same time he met Priscilla. She was younger than I was. I say this is a few months before he met her. And uh, so anyway, he gave me his phone number and said to call when, when I got to um, Bad Nauheim. 
And I did. And I didn't realize that he hadn't. Well, I'm in, into um, Wiesbaden was where we, the tour was stopping. And so he said he would pick me up in Wiesbaden. He hadn't been there before, but somehow the public got word of it. And the parking lot was mobbing his car. And his, one of his bodyguards came into the hotel and got me and took me out. And there he was. And he had on this turquoise sweater with black laces. And he'd been smoking a little cigar or something. And he was all sweaty from that. And I was scared, you know. I mean, I had seen him. He looked so, so kind and gentlemanly in his army uniform. But this was, this was a different one, you know. This was a little bit more of the rocker. And... Um, but anyway, we, we got in his car and drove. Um, the, Lamar Fike was the name of the uh, bodyguard that was driving. And we went to uh, Bad Nauheim and turned into a street where there, were, um, there was just a mob of people there. I said, what is this, a street fair or something? And he said, no, this is where I live, darling. <laughs> and his house was just surrounded by people who were so intrigued by him. And so we went in and... Um, the bodyguards cooked cooked dinner for us, and he had instruments there. He could play the piano and the guitar, and I think it was the trombone or something. No, it was no, it wasn't. Maybe a saxophone. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, he sang for four hours, and it just every all the songs we knew. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. And he went over to the window at one point and pulled down the, the shade that you know spins up. And there were all these faces in the window because the people outside were all listening, listening to the music. And I got back to the hotel about four in the morning. It was it was pretty exciting. But then um, I went on. I didn't know that I'd ever see him again, though he told me to write to him and I knew how to do that. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. But first... It's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You heard that a majority of businesses fail. Don't be a statistic. Get my book free, The Vision Map. Beat the odds for your business success. Get it free at TonyDurso.com slash vision. And set up your own successful vision map. TonyDurso.com slash vision. Hey, check out my other great interviews at TonyDurso.com or using your Android or iPhone, get the app at TonyDurso.com slash mobile. That's TonyDurso.com or slash mobile for the app. Thanks. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. 
Now, back to Tony and his guests. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show. Today's show is with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. Diana has extensive credentials as the author of seven award-winning cookbooks, including Chicken Soup for the Soul Cookbook, which sold nearly one million copies. And now, back to the chat with Diana. And he sent Christmas cards and... It just kind of went on like that. And then one day I was in Beverly Hills and I had just, I had been engaged and broke that engagement. I was turning into, I, my, my father's house was right on Sunset Boulevard. And I heard a honking and there was a limousine and Elvis waving at me. And so the phone rang a little later and he uh, asked if he could come over and pick me up. And my parents were pretty excited, you know. And my, my funny, the funny thing was that my girls, my girlfriends at the sorority did not really believe that, you know, I had actually dated him because that was too strange. But um, at a later date, I would take them to his house and, and it was uh, for his birthday party and it was really fun. But anyway, I went out with him a couple more times. Um, it was just, you know, it wasn't a big love or anything. The big thing I got out of it, though, was... How did I know I was going to meet Elvis Presley? I mean, I, I didn't say that I was going to date Cary Grant and Ricky Nelson, you know. I mean, it, it was so strange. There was no explanation. So I just ha- began to trust that I could trust these knowings that seemed to come to me. And indeed, I did meet my, my future husband, Paul. And then after Paul, as Paul was dying, he said, Diana... I don't want you to be alone. And I said, send me someone. He said, I will. And then my book, Send Me Someone, tells the story. Uh, I actually sold that the film rights to that book to Lifetime. And uh, within two months, my next husband came and joined the Inside Edge. And I was remarried within eight months. So, And I've been married 29 years now. So, That is so <laughs> touching. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Diana, the the book that you wrote, Send Me Someone That Became Into a Film, or you sold the film rights, is is that out in a film, or is that coming out in a film? They actually um, did not make it. They, they weren't satisfied with the script. And so I have the rights again, and I have somebody else who's interested in it right now. But it is a wonderful story for people who sense the presence of people who have passed and who believe that they can still communicate because there are some very poignant, touching stories in there about how I knew that Ted was indeed the person that Paul had sent. They were just, you know, give you goosebumps when you, when you hear some of those stories. That is so cool. And as you said just a little bit earlier, it's magic. It call it the woman's <laughs> intuition. It, there really is something behind that where you just know something, and that's just amazing. I love that story on Elvis, and that is just so cool. I use the words "expect magic" for my coaching uh, site. I love to work with people one on one, and I, I have an ability to see how people can take their life experience and that the path that they've had and what they love. You know, like Rumi, the poet Rumi says, follow the thread of what you truly love. It will not lead you astray. And I've spent my life doing that. So I love working with clients and helping them kind of find that thread when they lose it and 
see something that becomes bigger than what they had imagined. Oh, very good. And we can find out about your, your coaching and your counseling at dianawentworth.com? That's right. Yeah. On the, on the homepage, there's a little button for the Expect Magic Coaching. All right. Sounds good. Well, oh, great. I do hope that a, a number of the audience reaches out to you on that. Diana, I did want to ask about you hosted a very long-running television series with your late husband. Can you tell us about that? Oh, that was called The New Way Gourmet. And that was on the Lifetime Network when it first started. And they ran it for years. It was a lot of fun. It was scary. We had 40 people in our crew. We had three cameras. And our cooking show is fraught with all kinds of danger, as you can imagine, because even our funniest show was when every single thing went wrong. And they told me, the, the director told me never to stop the tape, that he would say stop the tape and we would reshoot something. But this one day, everything in the world went wrong. The stove caught fire, Paul broke an egg, uh, all over the counter. I mean, it was just so strange. And I was beginning to giggle, you know, it was really funny, but they let me go through the whole show. And uh, the, the stove caught on fire and... I walked by it and I said, oh, nice little fire we have going there. And it was just crazy. And that was by far our most popular show. So How was, funny. That was at the end of our cooking career. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that we didn't have to cook for a living anymore, you know, schlepping all those pots and pans and trying to do things so perfectly on the road. It was it was crazy. Now, I'm curious about one thing. As a television series, was there a reason that it was on the road as opposed to just in in a studio all the time? It was in a studio. I was thinking of our earlier part of our career where we were traveling for department stores. We were the headliners of food fairs that were put on by newspapers like in in um, um, Milwaukee and in Cleveland. And there would be 4,500 people in the audience, and we would do this, do it four times. But we had to bring all of our own food and pots and pans. And, and if we were doing television, like Good Morning America, we'd have to have the parsley for the centerpiece in our suitcase, and it would mildew. And, you know, <laughs> I really was burnt out, literally, in cooking. Um, and I'm so glad that I don't have to do that anymore. That's amazing. And how many years did you have that for? Well, the show was on for three years. That's a long time for a cooking show. And I believe that you were not particularly in competition, but Martha Stewart ran like the East Coast side and you were sort of like the the queen on the West Coast side, sort of like that? That's the way it was for a while, yeah. And uh, luckily we were able to jump into our career at the Inside Edge and... um, I still do that kind of as a sideline, but uh, we're always reinventing ourselves. I think that's the gift of life is that, you know, we don't get too comfortable, that we have to figure out what is our highest expression of what we're here to do and find a way to do that. So some of these roads that we take just kind of suddenly come to an end and we have to look for for a secret path or something into the next adventure. So true. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about Inside Edge, which, as I understand it, has been and is an incubator for some very well-known, successful people. Do you still have multiple venues or where is it? 
Tell us more. Right now it is in Orange County at the Pacific Club on Wednesday mornings. And people can look at InsideEdge.org and see who our speakers are and so on. And it was there, as I said, one morning Jack Canfield was speaking and Mark Victor Hansen was sitting next to me and Jack told the audience that he wanted to do this book. He wanted to call it Chicken Soup for the Soul and it would be all these stories. And he sat down and then Mark leaned across me and said, I'm going to do that book with you. And Jack said, you are? And so I felt like I was like, you know, the womb for this, the sperm and the egg came together there. And the, the funny thing that was really amazing about it, and my, my most successful business uh, story so far, is that um, the Chicken Soup for the Soul book took off. You know, they were turned down by over 100 publishers because people thought anthologies didn't work. But what happened was the first book became very popular, then the second book, and then QVC wanted a cookbook because everybody thought Chicken Soup for the Soul was a cookbook. And they kept saying, we can't do a cookbook, we can't do a cookbook, and then QVC wanted to order over three-quarters of a million copies, and they suddenly decided that, oh, Diana could do that cookbook. (laughs) So... I got to do the Chicken Soup for the Soul cookbook, which was the third one in the series. And I was the first co-author then, and they, I remembered that day so well. Uh, they said, can you get this done in three months? And I said, does it have to be done? Yes, it has to be done in three months. That meant not only done, but, you know, published. And um, they said, what do you need to start? And I said, well, I need... I mean, in advance, I'd always, I had had six six cookbooks and I'd always gotten an advance, you know, to pay me to to go to work on it. And the publisher said, well, I'm sorry, we don't give advances. And I said, well, you know, you can do this in-house. You don't really need me. And they said, uh, he said, we'll give you a third of the book. So, I mean, I knew instantly that this was going to be extremely profitable because of the success of the other two books. And sure enough, my first royalty check was 200 and some thousand dollars for three months. So that, that was abundance for sure and, and so much fun. That book kind of brought me back into the cooking world in an interesting way. And um, I'm really grateful to them. They're my heroes for sure. That's amazing. And I believe you've written two Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Yes, I did another one with uh, Jack and Mark and Dan Millman called Chicken Soup to Inspire Body and Soul. That one, you know, it was further down the line. Uh, There are now some 200 different titles, um, and the whole franchise has been sold and so on. But, you know, we were in the early days, and that that cookbook was so much fun to do, which gave me a whole other shot at cooking. At least talking about it. Absolutely amazing. As I seem to recall, if memory serves me right, that franchise has sold well over 100 million books. Oh, that's true. Yes. I'd say it's more like 200 and some. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Hey, guys. How would you like to be a best-selling author or sell a product or service in high volume? These are just some examples of what you can do with ClickFunnels. Get everything you need to market, sell, and deliver your products and services online without having to rely on a tech team. And I just got you a free account. Check it out at TonyDURSO.com slash click. Try it completely free and build your first funnel. You get a simple drag and drop web page editor. You can quickly build sales funnels that convert. There's a smart shopping cart with one-click upsells. There's email and Facebook marketing automation. In fact, you get everything organized in one simple dashboard. Try it completely for free at TonyDURSO.com slash click. TonyDURSO.com slash C-L-I-C-K. And here's to your amazing success. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to Tony and his guests. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show. Today's show is with Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Inside Edge. Diana lives in Southern California and is married to Ted Wentworth. Both are featured in Who's Who in America and Who's Who in the World. And now, back to the chat with Diana. And Diane, before we go, I want to make sure I talk about you're an advocate for people leaving a legacy. Can you tell us all about that? Well, that was another magical story because I, I, I went to a meeting out here in Palm Springs where we live now. And I noticed a woman um, who stood up and asked a question, and it was almost as if I recognized her. Very beautiful woman. And I ended up standing next to her, and we started talking. She's an actress and a producer. Her name is Kate Zena. And uh, she and her partner, David Wolf, have a company called Zena Wolf Legacy Films. That's Z-E-N-N-A-W-O-L-F-E. LegacyFilms.com, and I ended up becoming a partner with them in creating Legacy Films. This is something that's new in this age of digitization, where you can actually have, you know, studio quality interviews of you, your family. It can be in your home. It can be in a studio. And then you can digitize, you know, all of the photographs and letters and Uh, memories, programs from school, things, and so on, so that your family has an amazing legacy film. Uh, They did one that ran three and a half hours for a family in Pasadena, where four of the five siblings sat around in a beautiful environment with makeup and lighting and everything and talked about, just kind of reminisced about their childhood and the stories about the father and the mother and the camping trips and all of that. And the whole family loves to be able to watch this. They can just download it from a link and look at it from their phones. They play this on Thanksgiving and so on. And so it's a fabulous, fabulous thing for people to consider doing who have big families and 
want to really present the memories and the personalities of the people in the family. And so I get to be like out there speaking on the road about it. I love to speak about legacy and I speak at libraries and private clubs and all over the place uh, about creating a legacy. And it's not something that one has to, you know, to have lived an amazing life to do because we all have a legacy to share. We all have a ways to mine the meaning of our lives and share what we've learned. And so that's, that's how I met you. You were at a, an event where I, I was speaking about legacy and what it means and um, sharing all sorts of work about that. Yes, we were at the Spirit Summit hosted by David Fagan and Allison Larson. And right. it was such a great event. Your story was so good. I love that idea on leaving a legacy. And if I recall right, in going through the website, which will also go in the, in the show notes for the audience, ZenaWolfLegacyFilms.com, mm-hmm. I believe you have a, not a testimonial, but you had, there's a note there, there's something there from Robert De Niro saying how important this is. I thought that was, I was very taken by that. Right. That De Niro slide is, is really good because he said he always thought that it would be great to capture his mother uh, on film and ask her all these wonderful questions. So he would have that. And he just didn't realize that it is urgent. It is important to go ahead and do this kind of thing because he, he doesn't have that. He never took that action. How interesting. And if people go to your main site, dianawentworth.com, in case they forget the other URL, can they navigate to the legacy? Yes, they can. There's a link to it there. And I love to work personally with the people and help them identify uh, the meaning in their lives. And for me, it really is, it comes down to what kind of joy we've had in our lives. What has brought us joy? What kind of joy have we given to the world? And just beginning to connect those joyful notes, uh, we can begin to see what a legacy film or a legacy project, there's lots of other projects. I like to lecture on cruise ships, especially because I love people to think of their trip as as a journey, as a kind of a spiritual journey. So, because we're so present when we're traveling, we're in a new city every day, we're looking around, we're seeing things we've never seen before, and thinking about them in comparison to our regular lives. And so I encourage people to make these beautiful uh, books that you can make, you know, on your Apple, you know, iBooks, and um, insert the photographs and write about your story, and it becomes something that your family can have, you know, for eternity, really, it becomes an heirloom. I can vouch for that so much. My my father would not talk about his war days, and no one ever pressed him. And we had pieced together very very little information. I actually gave a speech on him once, and I've had and I had people in the audience crying about his life in the in the war. And I was always wondering. I was always thinking later it would have been so good to just have more information and have his story for the family and and the kids and so forth to pass down. So I am. I totally believe in leaving a legacy, and I encourage everyone to go check this out. It is so important for, it's for your family's sake, not necessarily for yours, but it's something you definitely want to pass on down. Right. Stephen Covey says, there are certain things that are fundamental to human fulfillment. 
The essence of these needs is captured in the phrase, to live, to love, to learn, to leave a legacy. And um, there's so many opportunities to do that and thinking outside the box. Uh, there's just lots and lots of ways to do that. It can be just a recording. It can be anything you like, but with, with digitization and computers being so versatile and making videos yourselves, you know, it really um, is ripe for exploration. Totally agree. And one last thing, Diana, if I'm not mistaken, I recall this from the Spirit Summit event where you spoke. You are a very big advocate for bullying. Can you tell us about that? Well, I, I, it's, we've had several speakers on bullying lately. And I had a client who was, she was um, bullied in high school. And so I began working with her. She's a singer. Her name is McKenna Wagner. And she was wanting to sell her CDs. And she was trying to figure out her music career and how she was going to get more notice. And as we began to work together, I began to see outside the box. And uh, this bullying thing, she mentioned that in, she would like to go into high schools she would like to have a book that she could take and share with adolescent girls uh, to have them have more self-esteem. And I thought, well, there's your service in the world doing that. And instead of getting people to try to come to see your concert, which is always feels very egotistical, you know, come and hear me. You could have people invite people to a benefit concert for this book. She wrote a, a beautiful book about the five keys and uh, support the printing of that so that she could go into schools. And so I, I, she became a life coach. I introduced her and helped her get that done. And she started a, a charity and she wrote a book while we were just in the seven weeks that we were coaching. She got the book all done. I mean, it was really exciting. So that's probably maybe the story that I told that made you Notice that I, I did care about people being bullied. I think so. I've written a book on bullying addressed toward the younger person, especially the person that goes to schools, but mm -hmm. also in the workplace as well. I've written a book on that, and I'm just working on my strategy of when I'm going to release that because doing radio and everything else has kind of changed kind of my life and where it goes. But I am very interested in that. I am very much an advocate for that. I've seen up close, the effects of bullying uh, and some very bad things, and I really want to do something about it. So I totally support anyone that does anything on that. That's very cool. Yes, it is. I, I love just, you know, fighting for the underdog has always been something that I've loved doing, for sure. Absolutely. Diana, you've had such an amazing life. You keep going from one to the next to the next to the next. You, you keep setting new plateaus. It is magic for you. Can I ask, what's your future hold? Because you still have, it seems like you still have so much more to accomplish. I do. I'm writing a book that is, it is a sort of a sequel to Send Me Someone because uh, I've been married to Ted Wentworth now for 29 years and he is a piece of work. <laughs> and he's written several books. One is how, uh, Build a Better Spouse Trap, which was his <laughs> dating strategy and how he found me. And he also wrote a book called The Enlightenment Code. And it is an amazing book about meditation and the spiritual life. 
And we love to take road trips. Um, at this point in our lives, we just get in the car and we call it the road trip to surrender because we don't really know where we're going. We just know the first day where we're going to go. And then we decide while we're on the road and we have ended up having all these amazing adventures. So the name of my new book that I'm trying to, that I, I'm, I never use the word try, that I will have done by my birthday in March uh, is called The Road Trip to Surrender, A Love Story of Aging, Adventure, and the Meaning of Life. And so it's interspersed road trip stories with flashbacks to how I really began to see magic building in my life and what I think is important for people to learn much younger than me. <laughs> so it's, it's lots of fun. Writing a new book is my 11th book. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I love it. And perhaps we'll meet you on the road sometime where we're not too far away from each other. Right. And I know we both like to uh, go out in the wild, so to speak. Well, come to the Inside Edge uh, every other Wednesday. Just go to the website. Let me know when you're coming and I'll save a place for you. I will definitely look that up, Diana. Thank you so much for that invite. Absolutely love it. Diana Wentworth, New York Times bestselling author, written a zillion books, 10 books so far. Founder of Inside Edge, it just goes on and on and on what you've done. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you, Tony. It was just a joy to be with you. Pleasure is all mine. And please, when you have another update, especially when that next book comes out, I want you back on. Oh, okay. For sure. I look forward to that. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And for my amazing audience, thanks so much for listening. Remember, success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Be righteous. Join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.